0: So for the last few weeks, uh, we have been looking at a series of commands that Peter is giving to these Christians in the letter of 1 Peter. We've seen multiple commands, and I want to just, as we step into our passage this morning, I want to take a look at those commands we've been looking at uh, between verses 13 and 21. Here it are. Here's Here's a list of commands. He's told them, have alert minds. He said, set their hope on God's grace. He's told them, do not conform to evil desires. He told them to be holy because God is. That is, God is holy. And live in reverent fear of God. Those are just a series of commands we've been sitting in. He told them first who they are. And now, over the last several weeks, we've, we've seen Him giving command after command after command of how they should live. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to come to this last section of chapter 1 and we're going to see the last command in chapter 1. But what interests me is not the command. It's what comes after the command. So let's take a look. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to pick up in verse 22. And I'm reading out of the New International Version. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 22. Here's what Peter writes. Now that you have purified yourselves for obeying the truth, okay, making sure I was on track, uh, obey the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass. And all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So imagine you picked up the command, that one big command in those verses. Love one another deeply from the heart. Some translations say from a sincere heart. That's the command, love one another. That's how he ends chapter 1. as he he gets ready to move into the next section, which we'll be walking through in the weeks to come. Love one another deeply. Now honestly, we could spend years walking through that theme of love through the Bible. So I don't think this is a new one. I don't think this caught anyone by the surprise that Peter would tell them to love deeply. So just so we can see, just one place where we can see how important that is to Jesus just look at John 13, verse 34-35. through 35. Just, I just want to pick one of those big scriptures. Jesus said this to His disciples on the night He was betrayed. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are My disciples if you love one another. So I mean, that's how important this command is. It's no surprise that Peter probably here now inserts that they must love one another. I imagine that Peter is is hearkening back to his memory as he writes the moment Jesus said this on the night he was betrayed, you know what? You know how we remember things in big moments in life, you remember where you were. I remember, I imagine that Peter remembered this moment when Jesus said, they're going to know you're my, you're my students because of the way you love one another. And here in this, in this portion of the letter, he writes, "You love one another deeply." Like, that doesn't surprise me, though. Like, that's not the thing that grabs my attention. It's the thing that now comes next that grabs my attention. Because what I want to know is, well, how do you do that? Like, how do you love deeply? For most of us, I imagine you've, you've heard sermons on loving each other. At least I have. And there's this sense that you just got to try really, really hard. Like, just give it, give it your best effort and then some. And eventually you might get it. And sometimes, if you're like me, you kind of feel guilty after those sermons because you know you really mess up. You mess up on this crime a lot. It's like, man, I just really keep dropping the ball on this love thing. So just keep trying harder. Just try harder. But Peter has a different answer to that question of how do you do this? Check it out. Here's what he says. This thing I want to hone in on. Verse 23. Right after telling them to love deeply, he says, for you have been born again. So that command to love deeply, it has to come from a place of a transformed life. You can't love deeply without being transformed by God's Spirit. Something fundamentally has changed with these Christians. Which then makes sense to tell them to do something which they would not be able to do otherwise. You can love deeply because you've been transformed. You have been born again. So now that you've been born again, you literally can begin to do things you weren't able to do in your own power. That's the logic. You've been born again. And this follows with verse 3 and 4 in chapter 1 where, remember, he says, you've been born into a living hope. You've been born into an inheritance that will not spoil or fade. So something has fundamentally changed inside of you. And because of that change, because literally you are a new person, you now must love deeply. But how did all that happen? I mean, how, did, how do you get born again? I mean, you just try really hard to get born again so that you can try really hard to love deeply? Is this whole adventure with Jesus about trying really, really hard? Now, the way you get born again is not by trying really hard. There's something really key to that being born again. It's right there at the end of verse 23. He says, You've been born again, and then at the end he says, Through the living and enduring Word of God. You can't love deeply. In your own power. You just can't do it. You're not good enough for that. Nor am I. You must be born again. And you're born again through the living Word. It is God's Word. He initiates. And through His Word, something happens inside of us. And then we move and become the kind of people that can love deeply. Actually, we must. Now this whole, this whole, this whole um, topic of God's Word and God's Word as birthing things is really important in the Bible. The Word of God is in a key theme throughout the Scriptures. That is, that the Word of God creates life is a theme that runs through human history. And I would be hard-pressed to, 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 uh, to overestimate how key that theme is. So if you'll just take a few minutes and come with me, we're going to take a quick journey through the Bible. We'll start with Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters and God said, God said, God said, He spoke, His word, He said something, let there be light. And guess what? When God says, let there be light, there was light. And in the first three verses of the Bible, we see the key principle about God's word. When God speaks, something happens. God's word literally births life. It's key. Alright. So let's go a little bit a little bit down the road uh, uh, in human history. Humans have really messed this thing up. They've been punished. They've still messed it up. And then there's this moment where God says, I'm going to do something to turn it around. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said, the Lord had said, the Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great You will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Jesus will come through that line. He will come from that family. He will be the one who blesses all people. And how did God initiate this promise through this man and his family that would bless the world? He spoke. And when God spoke, the promise was written in stone and it would come to pass because God spoke it and something was created a promise was put into the world and that promise will come in the fulfillment of Jesus and he will bring life but it's his word he spoke and there it was now centuries later the King David writes writes in Psalm 19 something that gets right at the heart of this theme we're tracking Psalm 19 verse 7 and 8. King David writes this, "...the law of the Lord is perfect, it refreshes the soul. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes." God's Word, it actually refreshes the soul. It actually gives life to the soul. God's Word gives joy and God's Word gives light so that you can actually walk with common sense. That's what God's Word does. God's Word births life. Something literally happens. When God's Word goes out, something happens and things are different. Probably one of the most famous passages that, uh, that many people have heard quoted, maybe not even knowing where it's from. Is Isaiah fifty-five, eleven, where the prophet Isaiah, recording the words of the Lord, says this, So is my word, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. This is the Lord, the God of Israel talking. So is my word that goes out from my mouth, I will, it will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Every time God's word goes out, it does something. God says, Let there be light, and there's light. God says, I'm calling you Abraham, and Abraham now goes. God's word is preached, and people have sight and can see clearly. When God's word goes out, life comes in the wake of its proclamation. That's God's word. But the clearest example of God's word coming. In its clearest form is Jesus himself. It's no surprise that when the Apostle John went to record the life of Jesus in his gospel, in the record of the gospel according to John, he starts it like this. The gospel according to John. John 1, 1. Then we'll drop to verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word became flesh. The Scriptures all point to the Word. And when the Word became flesh, we saw the fullness of His glory, grace and truth. And so it would be no surprise then that now, now, when the Word goes out, it points fundamentally to the Word. It is the message of Christ that now gives life. It is the Gospel. It's that message that clearly identifies us for who we are. Rebels against God. Worthy of His wrath. Punishment because He is holy. And yet here, the Word made flesh took that wrath on Himself. Our punishment was imputed to Him. It was given to Him. He was punished for our transgressions. And now by His transgressions we are healed. And then He now imputes His righteousness to us. He gives us his righteousness. Not that we are now somehow perfect, but we are now seen perfect in the eyes of God. It is that message of the Gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, when that goes out, when you preach the Word made flesh, life life starts to blossom in its wake. Paul had a way of saying this. really like this way that he wrote it. I would have liked it anyway, he wrote it. It just happens to be I really like this way. Romans 10, verse 17. Here's what he says. Faith, faith, that thing we all want, the thing Oprah talks about, faith. I could have picked any popular icon, but I'm just picked her for right now. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. You want life, you want love expanding in our world? You don't wave rainbow flags. You preach the gospel of Jesus. And in the wake of Jesus, you have a bunch of people born again who love deeply. That's what you have. Faith comes from hearing the Word. And it's the Word about Christ. You want more faith? You get more Word. That's the way that works. A lot of people want lots of faith in times of suffering, but they have no word to grow the faith. You have to have word for faith. You know how Peter said this? It was verse 25. After quoting Isaiah 40, verses 6-8, through that the word of the Lord endures forever, trying to communicate how important the word is, he says all of this in verse 25. He just says it very simply. He said this, the word, well that was preached to you. The word, the word that will endure forever, actually it was preached to you. And what was the word that was preached to them? It was the gospel. That's what was preached to them. So let's summarize it. Here it is. We need to saturate ourselves daily with God's word and the message of the gospel because it creates life in us. And this new life gives us the ability to love one another deeply. That's verses 25, 22 through 25. The reason we gotta deal with, the reason we had to deal with verses 23 through 25 is because we have this idea that you've got to try really hard to love, or you've got to try really hard to have enough faith when life really stinks. No, you don't create that in yourself. God creates it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. When you were dead in your transgressions, Christ died. Although you were dead, god's grace you see we didn't do anything for this salvation god's the one who initiated it were you in the beginning when there was darkness and the earth was formless no but that's the moment he spoke and there was light and even dead in our transgressions the word came and brought salvation so if you, if you want to get through times of suffering, if you want more faith, if you want to love more, you have to have the Word. Without the Word, you don't, you don't grow. You don't become the kind of person that loves deeply. You need the Word. It's the Word preached to you. Alright. Here's some application. Now please understand, this is going to be really quite quick. Not because I have to leave but because i want you to feel the brevity like i want you walking out saying wow that was short maybe you'll remember it because i'm long every other time here it is come to worship regularly and hear god's word and read the bible daily now do you know what i mean when i say that let me let me explain it i mean come to worship regularly oh no 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 I, i'm john go back i was given a very detailed explanation what I mean is, no, no, I missed that one. Let's, Yes, you did that on purpose. Touche, touche. Romans uh, in Deuteronomy 8.3, last part of that verse is really, really good. Okay, that was a good one, John. That was really good. All right. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. And I really want to unpack this and take some time to unpack it. I mean come to worship regularly. I'm going to try that again come and I mean like come is, are we following the Greek of come is come regularly that would mean you show up okay and hear God's word so that's I think I think I've got it I think you got it and what I mean by read the Bible regularly uh, or daily is read the Bible every day. So here's your next step. That was my very detailed explanation. Come to worship next Sunday. Come to worship next Sunday. I'm not even trying to get you to come to Sunday two weeks from now. Come next Sunday. There is no substitute for going to church. There just isn't. Listen, I understand that there are a lot of people that still uh, need to, for very, various reasons, join us online. And I'm really grateful that we still are connected in our church family. Many of them leave comments. We are still connected throughout the week with them. There are still some that have a high risk of infection or sickness. Some are traveling. Some have to work and they have to watch the service later in the week. I get all of that. But I'm saying if you have the ability to be here on a Sunday, be here on a Sunday. There's no substitute. And I'm not just trying to sell East 10th. Just get yourself in a church to hear God's Word and worship with His people. That's the point here. So, next Sunday, make sure you are at worship. And if you got to work, make sure that you watch the worship service at some point that week. The point here is consistency. Because there is no substitute. Until we're convinced there's no substitute, we'll keep being lazy or find excuses why we're not here. There's no substitute. And then, read the Bible every day this week. So you might be wondering, like, like but what do I read? Pick something. Just start the habit. A great place to start is Psalm, the Psalms. Just read Psalm 1 every day. Or read John 15. Or just flip open the Bible and just read something. Eventually, you're going you're gonna to need to have context and be taught where that, that particular passage fits within the whole Scriptures. But literally... If if this is not a habit, you start somewhere. And God will do something with that. You cannot open His Word and it not do something. So read the Bible every day. And in our world, the Bible is very accessible. And as I look at you, all of you have access to the Bible. So every day we read it. That's it. Those are your next steps. Come to church next Sunday and read the Bible daily. And if I was a betting man, I'd say love Love may just increase. Let me pray for us. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for birthing us through the Gospel into a living hope, an inheritance that will not fade. Would You now take Your Word that You have sent out and would You make sure it does not come back void? So we claim that promise that no one in this room is leaving unchanged. That you are either convicting, you're either encouraging, you're either speaking hope, you're doing something to bring life. And I understand for some that will be repentance of some sort. But your word, may it do something in us that draws us closer and closer to you, that we may be a people who love deeply one another from a sincere heart. May that be how we're known. We're known as a people who love deeply. And that's because we're people saturated with your word. We are a people born again through the living and enduring word of God. So now go with us. We thank you under the authority of Christ. And together we say, Amen.